our series for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking uh, about this, uh, you know, this truth in the Word of God uh, about spiritual warfare. How many uh, have experienced any warfare this last week? How many would say, last week, brother, already today? You know, it's 1030, right? We, we know the struggle is real. Uh, so we're looking forward to the series, what God's going to uh, do in our lives through the series. I think there'll be new revelation for some. I think for others, it'll be uh, maybe a new application of God's word and how to live out and walk in victory. You know, the Bible makes it clear for us that uh, whether we like it or not, whether we realize it or not, we've been born onto a battlefield, you know, and so it, it, it does us good to have awareness of that truth. Uh, and there's a battle on three fronts, Scripture tells us. There is Satan and his cohorts. There is this world system that works uh, against God's way in the kingdom of God. And then there's our own flesh and carnality, uh, that nature that we are to crucify daily uh, as we walk with the Lord. Uh, what we want to focus in on, although uh, the, the enemy and his cohorts, although that affects all of those areas, we want to specifically talk about uh, overcoming Satan and his strategies against us. Um, there is an enemy, but in Christ, God has given us the victory every single time. And, and so we're looking from this perspective here today that uh, it tells us in 2 Corinthians 2.11, uh, it says, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So the Lord wants us to be aware of the enemy's devices. Uh, he doesn't want us ignorant of these things. It says in another translation, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. So as we approach this series, let's acknowledge, you know, oftentimes we as human beings can take a truth and kind of lean into one side of it or the other side of it so much so that we can kind of stumble into a ditch on each side. So let's just acknowledge here this morning, the devil is not uh, omniscient and omnipresent. He's not under every rock and around every corner. Can you say Amen. Right? So that, that's one side where we don't have to, you know, and, and we as believers, how many know we're not to focus on Him, we're to focus on the Lord. Right? Now, on the flip side of this, to live oblivious to the warfare that we're all in, uh, you, you know, daily, uh, that's, that's going to be trouble for us because God has given us weapons to stand against this warfare. And, and the first step to win in the warfare is we've got to acknowledge that, that it's there and it's going on. So we're going to stay in attention between those, those things. And we want to look at some of the major strategies that the enemy uses, the, the major devices that the enemy uses, but really we want to take a survey so once we grasp that then we can turn around and say now what has God given us so that we can be overcomers uh, against these things so again if you're following along in the notes I'm just kind of laying down some of the main points here uh, and then unpacking them as we go the first one uh, if you're filling in uh, one of the enemy's chief strategies is deception so we want to talk about his strategy as the deceiver this morning. And we're going to go uh, all the way back to uh, the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, and we're going to see the enemy operating against Adam and Eve, uh, against humanity uh, in this role of deceiver. So let's take a look at verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. 
And he said to the woman, so this is uh, the serpent, this is Satan, right? Did God really say? I want you to just take note of that. We're going to go back to that. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, was the serpent's reply to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So I want you to notice here too, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree, notice she saw that it was good for food. She also saw that it was pleasing to the eye and that it was also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So, you know, here right off the bat, one of the enemy's chief strategies that he's going to use is to try to bring deception. Uh, notice that when he comes, he doesn't come, and, you know, where we spot him a mile away in red, horns, pitchfork in hand, right? You know, as a matter of fact, the word tells us that he masquerades, tells us that he can even masquerade as an angel of light. You know, and, and we're, we're going to look at this example of him being the deceiver and realize that this is his pattern that he has used against people throughout the ages. So when we look at this, the, the next place you can fill in if you're following on your notes, what is the focus of the attack? His attack is deceiver. Well, the focus of the attack is on your mind. And he's coming against uh, the mind of the believer uh, when the devil wanted to influence men and women into sin, he, in, in this situation, he comes and attacks the woman's mind. 2 Corinthians 11.3, but I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So if the enemy can't keep us from making Christ Lord and Savior of our lives, you know, he'll certainly work to try to bring deception so that we don't walk with the Lord, that we don't stay in that sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So he attacks the mind, and, and the mind is that part of us, you know, knowing, recognizing, right, that we're made in the image of God. The attack against the mind, that's the thought life, our thinking process. Out of our thoughts and our thinking process comes our attitudes, you know, comes the decisions that we make. What do we rationalize? What do we reason? Our behaviors, all of these things come out of our thinking, Right? So we can understand why the enemy would want to come against that area. And it's the place where we hear from God concerning his will. Now, God might speak in the inner man, but it's going to be in our mind and our thinking that connects all the dots and, and, and tries to figure out how to walk it out. Come on, can you say amen? Right? So our lives grow, it says in the word, and they're renewed in Christ in the truth of God's word. 
So the truth of God's word works in our minds, works in our thinking. Uh, no wonder the enemy would try to come against that. And it's interesting, it, we're told in the word uh, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. There, there's two specific different places where we're, we're told to uh, walk in the renewed mind. It's interesting, one, uh, this is something I learned from Pastor Walt, uh, one of the places where the word talks about the renewing of the mind, it's a one-time renewing that happens when we get born again. We get the mind of Christ, right? And then the, the other way that this is spoken about in Scripture is an ongoing continuing to renew and walk in the renewing of our mind. You know, we, we could almost make a, a comparison to that, you know, uh, when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit for the first time, there is an initial in, infilling, outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but we read throughout the, the book of Acts that they prayed, worshiped, and were filled. Same group that got baptized in the Holy Spirit. They worshiped, they were praying, they're crying out to God, and they were filled. In fact, it tells us in Scripture, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Actually, in the language, the verb tense is be being filled, right? So the enemy comes against our mind. We've been given a new mind, the mind of Christ, when we're born again, but we are to continue to walk in the renewing of our mind, and we do that in the Word of God. Amen? So uh, let, let's look at it this way. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 24 says, so I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given their, themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed." Verse 20, that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance to the truth that is in Jesus. Let's focus here on verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, right? It's deceitful desires. That's the uh, take up our cross, right? Deny ourselves, pin that flesh to the cross, those deceitful desires. It says in verse 23, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So there's, there's a new self that we are to continue to put on because God has made us brand new on the inside. And there's an old self that we are to put off because God has made us brand new and born again on the inside. Come on, can you say amen? You know, in our growth group, we just wrapped up. We've been looking at this book, The 4-8 Principle, and it breaks out on Philippians 4-8. Whatsoever things are good, pure, lovely. As a matter of fact, I have that verse in just a second here. Think on these things. And one of the points that they bring up in the book is, hey, as a new creation in Christ Jesus, as we walk with God, there are times where we make choices, decisions, actions that line up with the old nature. The deceiver comes. And he attacks in our mind and says, see, that's who you are. But you know what? God says something different. God says, no, 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 no. That's the old man. Church, he says, that's the imposter. 
cast off the imposter and walk out being the new creation I have called you to be. Right, there's two verses that are, are such great verses for us to pray. Uh, I visit these often in times where I realize, God, I got to walk after your way. Uh, therefore, if any, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. I'll say, Lord, I just thank you that I'm a new creation. Lord, I thank you that I'm putting off the old man. I thank you that you've made me brand new in Christ Jesus. I thank you I have the mind of Christ. And then another verse uh, from Peter where it says, uh, his divine power has, in other words, already has given you everything you need for life and for godliness. Right? So you, you, you put those truths together and God is saying, I've already given you everything you need to walk after who I have created you to be. But the deceiver comes along and says, no, he didn't. Right? And so that we need to understand whichever of those voices that we're buying into is really going to determine whether we walk in the victory of Christ or whether we walk in, uh, in defeat and walk in the flesh. Amen? So if the enemy can get us to buy into his lies uh, and he can influence our lives away from God and into sin, uh, he's going to do it. And, and he'll do that primarily through uh, attacking our mind. And that's why we're instructed so often in the Word to uh, discipline our thoughts and to bring our thinking, to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? Philippians 4.8, that is the verse I, I mentioned earlier. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, there it is. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So our mindset, our attitude, our thinking, it's going to affect the rest of our lives. That's a good amen spot. Don't worry, I'm here to help. It's going to affect the rest of our lives. God knows this, but the enemy knows it too. We got to make sure we know it as well. So the focus of the attack of the deceiver is on our mind. What's the main weapon that the enemy uses here? And again, this is uh, in our notes. The enemy's weapon for deception is lies. He works through lying. Revelation 12, 9, we're kind of, uh, you know, kind of grabbing a snippet of this verse here in mid-thought, but it, it talks about a characteristic of Satan. It says, Satan, who led the whole world astray. That's, that's, that's his agenda, that's his mission, that's what he's been doing since the garden, has been working to lead the whole world astray. Uh, John 8, 44, uh, Jesus is railing against the Pharisees. He says, you belong to your father, the devil. You want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. This is so staggering. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So his main weapon that he's going to use, and again, as I mentioned earlier, he's crafty, he's subtle, he'll masquerade. Uh, we'll look at this, you know, we'll, we'll cycle back a couple of times here to Jesus in the wilderness when Jesus was tempted, you know, and he comes in subtly, he even quotes scripture at Jesus. 
right? You know, so, uh, it, you know, he'll, he'll come in and, and, and try to, well, well, actually, let's just lay this out. Let me not get ahead of myself. Satan's strategy in the garden, it's the same strategy that he uses uh, as the deceiver uh, in the world. Number one, he questioned God's word, right? Did God really say you know, trying to move Eve from a place of, no, I can trust God's word to now interject some doubt. Did God really say that? Did you hear him right? Is, is it really true? The second thing that he did is then he flat out denied God's word. Oh, you say that God said you'll die? You will not certainly die. But then he does a third thing as well. He added his own lie because it, that is his native language. For God knows that when you eat from, from the tree, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, interesting, Adam and Eve both understood they were made in the image of God. Now, now Satan is coming along and saying, no, you won't just be in his image, you'll be just like him. And he's holding out on you. He doesn't want you to be like him. By the way, isn't it interesting? Scripture shows us uh, this was the enemy's number one ambition, right? We can read about it in Isaiah 14, verses 12 to 14. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You've been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations, you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. That was the enemy's ambition. And now he leans in in this lie to just say, hey, God's holding out on you. You'll actually be just like him. Interesting, the created wanted to be worshiped. And boy, humanity from that time onward has constantly dealt with uh, th that, that issue of worshiping created things rather than worshiping the creator. Romans 1.25 says, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised, amen. So we're looking at the focus of deception that is our mind, the weapon that the enemy uses, which is lies. Now, what's the enemy's goal? So let's establish this. The enemy's goal is to make you ignorant of God's will. Put doubt against God's word because God's word is his will. And the enemy will then work hard to make us doubt, dismiss, neglect, you, you know, uh, just, just totally be clueless on the will of God. But church, how many know God desires for us to know his will? He's not hiding it from us. He wants us to know his will. Acts twenty-two fourteen, 14, uh, and he said, the God of our ancestors has appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear the words from his mouth. Colossians 1.9 tells us, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. By the way, this is a great thing for us to pray for those that belong to Christ, for those that do not know the Lord yet. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. 
God wants us to know his will. So to be ignorant of God's word and his will means we're going to miss his promises, means we're going to miss his blessings, means we're going to miss his principles and his precepts. We're going to miss his cautions. We're going to miss his guidance. And, and we're going to miss uh, his instruction on how to live this life in light of eternity so that we can live with no regrets. All of that is his word. All of that is his will. And again, it's no wonder an enemy of God, and, and, and we're, we're, his en we're, we're the enemy of Satan as well because we are made in God's image, hurting us, hurts God. Uh, so, so this is the goal to make us ignorant of the will of God. All right, so let's just, just bring this on home. How do we defend uh, against this attack? Well, we've actually been talking about it all along here, haven't we? Right? If you're following in your notes, our defense against this attack is God's word. Right? So, so just putting an, you know, uh, an exclamation point on that, it's God's word. Let's talk about a couple of key ways to uh, employ God's word so that we will be able to stand against the attacks of the deceiver. So number one is that we have to know the word. Right? That sounds so simple. But we have to know the word and we have to, uh, how, can, how should we put it? We have to stay in knowing. Right? How many have drifted? How many have uh, been deceived away? It, we're warned in Scripture in these last days, you know, that, that people will have itching ears and, and follow after doctrines of demons. This is like really heavy-duty stuff by moving away, by allowing the, the deceiver to move God's people away from the truth. So we have to know the Word. And Ephesians 5.17 says, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You know, and I think, you know, we believe you know, certainly one of the reasons it was included in the scriptures that tells us about these people in Berea when, when uh, in the book of Acts, when, when the gospel was, was, you know, going forth, it said the Bereans said they were of a more noble nature because they would go back and they would search the scriptures after Paul preached to make sure that what he said was lining up with the word of God, to make sure that, that they weren't getting something that was going to get them off track. They were hungry for the truth, and they were diligent to stay on course, to stay with the truth. Amen? So, so we need to know the Word of God, and, and, and granted, that's a, there, there's a growth process, you know, uh, in, in, in understanding and knowing the Word of God, but actually mentioned in first service this morning, you know, one of the things at Grace and Peace that I think is so valuable for us as believers is our Institute of Biblical Studies that happens on Thursday evenings. And basically, over a three-year period of time, uh, we get the opportunity to go through the Word of God from cover to cover and to explore all the major fundamental Christian doctrines. And, and what I love about this school, the, the design of the school was not meant to be uh, for those among us that might be academic, for those among us that might want to do kind of further advanced studies down the road, but the goal of the school is to thoroughly equip every believer with the Word of God, that we would know the Word. Because more than ever, 
more than ever, there's things that are, that are working to confuse and to move us away from the Word of God. So I had said in first service, you know, to, to Pastor Ralph, I hadn't intended a commercial for IBS, but, you know, the point is, man, we really, really want to make sure that we are uh, in the Word and that we're getting to know, see how it all connects together, see what God wants to do in His Word. All right, second thing. Uh, regarding uh, our number one defense being the Word of God is it does us good to memorize the Word of God, to make sure that we commit it to memory. You know, and, you know, we might think about that like, okay, well, you know, younger children in Sunday school and, you know, Bible quiz and things like that. But we, we, we need to never get away from this idea of memorizing the Word of God. Psalm 37, 31 says, The law of their God is in their hearts. And their feet do not slip. In other words, as a result of that, their feet do not slip. You know, and we, we can't in the, you know, in the middle of a, you know, a situation where there's either a temptation or an opportunity to go, well, let me get my concordance here and let me look up, you know, and, and you know, fumble around in our word. There are times where, man, we, it's just got to come out of our heart. We just got to know what we believe and we got to have it hidden in our heart so we can stand and, and as the Word of God tells us, use it as the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's an offensive weapon to kick the enemy running and the shield of faith. How does faith come? By hearing the Word of God so that shield becomes a defensive weapon. You know, so memorizing the Word, David said it this way, I have hidden God's Word in my heart that I might not sin against God. Right? So, so knowing the Word and then memorizing the Word. And then three here is to meditate on the Word. Joshua 1.8. By the way, going back to memorizing, this is one of the reasons why, you know, if you'll notice more times than not in our action points, we'll have a, a key verse from the message as a verse that we have an opportunity to memorize. You know, and if they're key verses that relate to the sermon, and, you know, we show up to church, you know, regularly, just give you two Sundays off. Not really, but let's just pretend. That's 50 verses committed to memory per year. Not bad if it's going from zero to 50, right, in one year. You know, key portions of God's truth that are now hidden in our heart so that we might not sin against God. In our heart so that our foot wouldn't slip. Amen. So, and then we move to meditating on the Word of God. And now this moves into, you know... Uh, the, the, the Hebrew word there is, is to mutter, to have on our lips, to chew on. So it speaks of taking God's word and reflecting on it and evaluating our lives in light of it. You know, kind of thinking deeply, what does this mean? And I tell you what, you, you know, I was thinking about this, you know, blind spots. You know, meditating on the Word of God will allow Holy Spirit to show us things that are completely in our blind spots. Come on, how many, how many know we all got them? We all have blind spots. You know, my, my wife, uh, we got her car upgraded this last year, and uh, it talks to you anytime there's any kind of situation. I was stopped at the light one time and just kind of staring off at the side, you know, and all of a sudden the car started yelling at me that the car in front of me had pulled away. The light turned green. The car's like, Put your phone on the gas, move, you know? I was like, now the car's yelling at me too? What's up with this? You know, but then there's, you know, uh, if you're coming up on somebody too quick, you know, it'll, it'll let you know. These, these are all good things. But in particular, I really like that on the side, uh, on the, um, yes, your mirrors, the side view mirrors, that's what they're called. It'll flash and, and, and you'll hear noises letting you know that there's someone in your blind spot. 
And here's the thing, many times I'll say, yes, I know, thank you, to the car, you know. Sometimes I'll say, ooh, I did not know that, thank you very much. You know, and that's just it, you know, we, we don't want to get confident that I know my blind spots. Sure, we know them sometimes. But when we meditate in the Word of God and when we think deeply on the Word of God, it just allows things that are just not in our, our view of sight all of a sudden, oh, what are you showing me here, God? Oh, because you want me to be protected, you want me to be blessed, you want me to grow in you. You're showing me what's in my blind spot. In Joshua 1.8, I tell you what, there is such clear instruction and it's chock full here. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. So the first thing that pops out to me is always on your lips. Meditate on it for a couple of minutes on Sunday morning. Nope, doesn't say that, right? Meditate on it when? Day and night. All right, that kind of covers all the bases, doesn't it? So that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Careful to do everything that God is instructing us to do. And then we'll be prosperous and successful. So meditating on the Word of God, something so important. And let me just pause for a moment here uh, at, at this point when we talk about, so this idea of keeping the Word in our lifestyle, right? When it's saying day and night, constantly on our lips, you know, it, it, the idea is in all of our coming and going, we are God conscious. We are Holy Spirit conscious. We are God's ways, God's kingdom conscious. And, you know, it's no wonder that we live as technology has advanced, as the world's culture has moved further and further away from God. I mean, no, it's no coincidence that there is more distraction than we have ever faced in history. I don't think that that's a coincidence. I think that it, that is because the enemy knows, again, if he can't keep us from knowing God, if he can keep us out of God's word and ignorant of God's will, if he can keep us in a place where we're not feeding on the word of God to the point where it's driving our thinking, then he can get his, did God really say in there, do you really need to do that? Do you really need to not do that? Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? Right? And, you know, as I started paying attention here too, you know, I was like, man, when I look at every notification that somebody tweeted, somebody posted, right, that my app has a new whatever, that there's time to upgrade. I mean, just there, there's so much distraction that comes. Uh, it used to be if people wanted amusement, that means to amuse, really means without thinking, you know, uh, we'd have to go to our living room. And actually, some in this room don't know what this experience is, but we actually have to walk up to the TV set and turn the channel. <laughs> Ancient days, that stuff there. You know, now there's 9,000 streaming services that come right to our phone. There's more stuff to distract us than ever before. I just throw that out. I think that's a part of how the Lord would have us evaluate how are we doing keeping the deceiver out. All we have to do is just not be intentional, and chances are the noise is bombarding us. So we have to intentionally curb the noise down so that the Word of God can be just filling our thinking. Amen. All right, the last one that we'll look at here then is that we need to use the Word. So not just know it, uh, not just meditate on it, not just memorize it, but then actually use the word. 
And uh, just a reminder here from John 14, 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. So as we walk listening for the voice of God's precious Holy Spirit, He's going to take this word that we're feeding on, that we're memorizing, that we know, that we're meditating on, and help us be able to uh, navigate life in light of God's word. And, and just as I even used as an example earlier, and then to use it as a sword and as a shield, to use it uh, against the enemy, knowing whatever, whatever the Lord says, uh, we can use as his promise against the enemy. You know, it, it's, it's kind of interesting at the beginning of the message, you know how I told you to take note that there were three things that, uh, that Eve was looking at? You know, the, 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 um, the fruit looked like, uh, let me go back exactly and make sure I, I say them all correctly. Genesis, there you are. Okay, it says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and that it was pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, it tells us in the New Testament, there's three places where, where sin is going to come from. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. We see all three in action right here. Really interesting, when we go to Jesus, doing what we couldn't do, doing for us what we couldn't do, living sinlessly in the, in the wilderness, he is tempted, right? If you're hungry, turn those stones to bread. If you're really the son of God, throw yourself from the pinnacle of the temple and God's angels will catch you. He quotes scripture at Jesus in each place. And then in the third one, he says, uh, hey, and, and we can just shortcut you to the cross. Just bow down and worship me. There he is, right? Satan, once again, wanting to be worshiped. Just bow down and worship me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world anyway. They're mine right now anyway. Adam, turn them over to me. So just go ahead and, and do this. What was Jesus facing? Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And in all of these, whatever the enemy said, the response of Jesus was, no, it is written. Right. Satan, you said this, but you're twisting it. No, I know the word. Here's what God is saying. And, and that was what, what he could use as the sword and the shield uh, against the enemy. Can you say amen? amen? So he's a deceiver. It's not anything new goes all the way back to the garden, and, and with it, you, you know, he, he has swayed nations, he has swayed individuals and families, and, and has gotten so much off course. But you want to know what? In the end, God wins. And in the end, God tells us these things because he doesn't want us to be ignorant of those devices. Notice the strategy isn't, so just focus on the devil all day long, right? God doesn't say, I... Don't want you to be ignorant of the devil, so just really, really watch him, what he's doing. No, the whole idea is, I don't want you ignorant of the enemy's devices, so live with me, walk with me, and live in my word. And you're going to be able to spot when he's coming along to move you off course. So I know this might, for some, sound so foundational, but I, I hope we all feel such a fresh sobriety that it is one thing to start off on course. It's another thing to stay on course. It's not enough to say, I've been in the word so long that I know how it works. We have to instead say, yes, I've been in the word and I have to keep bringing my life in light of the word.
Amen? I have to keep making sure that it's the word that is the filter on my worldview, on my thinking, on my deciding how I'm going to respond. And, and you know, a great way to inventory how much we are currently buying into the word we know, church, our behavior. Our behavior will tell on us every time what we say we believe and what we're walking in the light of. We can, you know, which is why, right, in communion, we're told to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. You know, so it just does us well to say, all right, it's good, good that I know the word, it's good I'm growing in understanding, but it's definitely got to move into, I got to hide it in my heart, I have to use it, I have to meditate on it, and it's got to be by far the biggest voice in my life. Amen? Amen. Amen. So as we wrap up here, uh, again, some action steps that we can take as we respond to the message here. First and foremost, uh, if, if we've not made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of our lives yet, that's the starting point. You know, the, the Word of God, you know, lets us know that a miracle happens when we say yes to Jesus as both Lord and Savior of our lives, that God moves into our heart. In, in his Holy Spirit, and we become born again, literally a brand new creation. And now God's dwelling in our heart. Uh, so if, if, you know, the, the, the steps to do that, we first have to believe that Jesus is who he said he is. We have to acknowledge our need of a Savior, and then we confess him as our Lord and Savior. And it's not something that, you know, he tells us to get our act together and then come to him. The whole point is we can't get our act together. The whole point is no matter how good somebody seems, we all fall short and we all need a Savior. So we come and receive that gift uh, by faith through the grace of God, a free gift that no one can earn. So whether there's somebody here or somebody watching online, now if you're watching online at the end of the service, I'm going to uh, bring us into a prayer to invite Christ into your heart, so hold on for that. Uh, here in the room, I'm going to invite you at the end of service, if you don't know Christ, come forward and pray with me or one of our prayer leaders and make Jesus Lord of your life today, because that's where it starts. We want to live in light of what God says. If we want to walk in his promises, his blessing, all that he's provided for us, it begins with saying, Lord, I make you mine today. You're mine. My Lord, your captain, your savior, move into my heart. All right, so, and, and if there's somebody who's saying, I got away from that and I need to get my life back on track, will you come forward too? Let's do that. Second uh, takeaway, uh, hey, if, if the enemy's native language is lying, let's take a look, number two, how truthful are we? And what's one thing that might need to change? You know, do, do, we, do we allow deception in any way in our lives? We want to be people that walk in the truth. Uh, how's our word life? You know, having the word of God in, memorizing the word, using the word, knowing the word, uh, meditating on the word. What's one growth step that we can take today where the word is just a little bigger in our life? Maybe, maybe one step for word life is diminishing the noise that I spoke about. You know, just getting some of that noise out a little bit more. Uh, and then last one, again, as I had said earlier, that we always throw in a verse, a good verse to memorize, Joshua 1.8. Meditate in the word, the word of God day and night. Be careful to do all that it says so that we'll have good success and our way will be prospered. Amen.
All right. Hey, let's close in prayer. Uh, just in, in whatever way that God is calling you to respond, just you, you, you let him know now. Lord, I hear you, and I'm leaving this service today responding to you. So, Father, we are so very grateful for salvation, for hope, <laughs> that with you we are on the winning team. And Lord, we thank you that as we go through life here, although it's a battlefield, you've let us know how we can stay in a place of victory, how we can walk in victory with you. And so, Lord, we just say afresh and anew that we are committed, that we want to be uh, lovers of the truth. Lord, that we want to live in a place where our eyes are on you. So we just resolve afresh today by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we would be those that run after you, that, that live in your word, that tune our ear into the voice and leading of Holy Spirit. And God, we just pray here as well this morning. Now, any place where we're just laying our heart bare, any place where we have allowed deception, where we have allowed the lies of the enemy to distort or to get us off track. Lord, if there are things that we're aware of or even things we might not be aware of, Lord, we say that we turn our ear toward you Lord, just in faith, we, we renounce everything that would be deception. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would take the truth of God's word that's been planted in our lives. And Lord, let there be a great harvest. Let there be just lots of fruit of the word of God, perspective, thinking. Lord, take away foul thinking, stinking thinking, uh, anything that's, that's been put there by the enemy, we just ask, clear it out, God. Help us to see through the lens of your love, the lens of your word. It's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray and we thank you, Lord. Amen.